During the Olympics, everything moves so fast that you have to keep up. I got in the start the day after the opening ceremonies and raced the downhill. I could hear my dad's voice in my head, and it was a brand new distraction I had not heard before, but the pressure brings it out. Olympic athletes are used to action, and so I treated the opening ceremonies as a day off, a day of inaction, thinking it would not affect me on the day of the race. However, all the waiting, staring off into space, gives you time to reflect on the fact that what started out as a dream, wondering if you could ever get to the peak of the mountain, is finally happening, and you're in it. People watching on TV see the color, the performers, and the elements of the Olympic movement. I was wondering if my dad was even watching me. I'm Jungle Jim Hunter, and you're listening to 831 Living Your Best Life Podcast, where we inspire participation, communicate precision, and empower performers to podium. And we hope you will tell everyone you know and that you're related to and that you work with to go to their favorite podcast provider or junglejimhunter.com or YouTube and subscribe and download and like and rate and review us and become an 831 or someone that helps somebody else live their best life because you have been inspired to live your best life from listening to this podcast. Well, we're four days into the Olympic Games, and it's only 28 days to the 16th Paralympic Games, but I hope you are watching and supporting the teams and the athletes that you're cheering for. Well, I thought of many people in those first four days. What flooded my heart was the people that helped me get there. My parents believing me after Dad was convinced by a ski coach to put me into ski racing. The sacrifice my mom made to live alone in Calgary and work and drive back and forth to the farm the 600-mile round trip an average of 22 times a year. Mrs. Gill driving me to and from the ski hill almost every weekend, grilling me on what I had to do in each race situation. The ski meister coaches, especially Ron Pierce, who convinced the club to accept me as a ski meister. Dr. Green, that went to extraordinary lengths to bring me out of the coma I'd had when I was 10 years of age and the recovery. Andy Jean and Uncle Bob, who taught me the discipline of gardening, precise planning, of placement of each seed, the proper time to water, fertilize, and caretake, taught me precision in everything that I did. Grandpa Hunter, who was a blacksmith, taught me about turning up the heat to shape the metal you're working with, and how turning up the heat is what we have to do to produce change in our results. How the goldsmith and the silversmith knows the metal is pure when they see their reflection in the metal. Grandma Hunter taught me to sing from the heart and be bold. Uncle Lorne and Andy Kay, who made me feel at home in their home thousands of miles away from my home in Saskatchewan, made traveling seem easy. It was like I was made to go all over the world. The challenges by racers and parents and coaches that said, I would never make it, would flash through my mind. And then I would think, no, every time you challenged me, it inspired me. And thank you. Dr. Lee Coyne at the University of Calgary taught a young teenager sport physiology and how to train, and Nancy Green, who came to that banquet in 1968, and told me to just do it when I had never won anything. Waiting to train or race seemed to be a full-time job at the Games, and I realized where it all started. Lesson after lesson after lesson from people that cared. First responders, 831 of them, including my dad. How he would say, you can have the will and you can have the skill, but without the fill, it will never fit the bill. Then he would use every occasion to teach you what it meant to fill yourself so that you had what it takes inside. And when you walk under the Olympic arch, son, he would say into the stadium, doesn't make you an Olympian. That the will to win doesn't make you an Olympian. 
It's the will to prepare that gives you a chance to become an Olympian. Each of the lessons all added together, they were learned, then tested and proven, and failing and making changes until it moved you through living it closer and closer to the place where I now stood 12,000 kilometers away from home. I thought of the exactness of choosing samples of grain from every bin, mixing them, selecting samples from each bin, and laying them in a Pyrex cake pan on a damp cloth, covering them, giving them a drink of water, then placing it over the warm stove so we could see which ones sprout the best and begin to grow. How plump they were. They became roots and shoots. And how healthy were those? How many days did it take to show up and only then selecting the best seeds from the best bin? How with excitement he would take me out to the field and he would uncover these seedlings that were now growing and he would say, from the second the seed falls into the dark, cold, wet, mucky soil, it gives all it has to grow and it's changing constantly. The heat, the cold, the moisture, the nutrients, it chases after and gathers them in and affects its growth. Yet there is no debate, no questioning, no discussion about getting up every day to grow. How the seed knows the first principle to growth is change. So you have to continually change because you are. You have to be humble because what you did yesterday, you didn't know until you learned it. And what you needed tomorrow is new. So yesterday's success is yesterday's failure because what you just learned is now new. That's the second principle. The second principle is never feel sorry for yourself because it is changing. A self-pity party is one that not even you will enjoy attending. The seed will never see the sun again, but from its growth. It will produce a plant that will produce hundreds of seeds to feed a hungry world. My goal was to get there and be the first Canadian male to stand on a podium so that other Canadian men would be inspired and it would inspire future generations. The third principle is trying and failing and then redirecting for every second. Going in the wrong direction takes twice as much energy to get back on track to go in the right direction. You can only afford to invest in good habits of growth, he would say. The more a habit is ingrained, the more pride you have that you are right. And when things don't go right, because you've made wrong choices, you're awash in self-pity. It's a hard road to get out of once you go down that road. Admit you're wrong and just get on the right path. So, if you want to be the best, you can be the best of the best and live the best life ever. Why? Number one, get hold of and stop doing today what is taking you in the wrong direction. Number two, set a new habit in its place so the new habit breaks the hold of the old one. And number three, ask someone you trust and give them full permission to hold you accountable. It's exciting to go to the Olympic Games and be here and to see them again. But remember this, only 1% of the athletes that are there will win a gold medal. However, all the athletes that are there have a story to tell of how they had to grow to the place where they overcame the obstacles that stood in their way. And they live in the time they have focused on what they needed to learn to be there. We can learn from them. We can learn from them so we can live our best life. Thank you for listening. I hope you will have grown and will be living your best life the next time we meet. My quote for the day the best win because they take two opposing forces of direction, the positive and the negative, 
and they make them work together to propel them to victory. Yeah, yeah.